Hey podcast listeners, welcome to the podcast Celeb Who, where we tell you the life story of a celebrity and you, the listener, get the opportunity to guess which celebrity that is. I'm your host, Cameron. And I'm your co-host, Alejandra. And you're listening to Celeb Who. Monday, 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 Monday. Is it? I hadn't checked my calendar. <laughs> Just kidding. It's like, I knew it was Monday. All right. So today is the big day. The big day. Do you know what the day is? It's Monday. Yes, it's Monday. <laughs> but what makes this particular Monday so special? We are doing a giveaway. Oh, three giveaways, actually. Three giveaways. Yeah, so there's the $5 gift card to Starbucks. The $10 gift card. And a free copy of the book Ascension by Jesse Glazewski. That Yeah. So what's great is that I purchased one of the books, and he was actually nice enough to sign it for us. So the listener is going to get a signed copy of Ascension. So I mean, that's pretty awesome. I mean, I'm not going to yeah. lie. A little bit jealous and might keep it for myself. (laughs) Give you guys the unsigned copy that we have. (laughs) So uh, rather than do it live on air, because I would feel weird calling out people's, you know, Instagram or Twitter username. Yeah. We're going to go ahead and post about it on our Instagram and Twitter. Mm -hmm. So we will reveal the winner um, on our Instagram and Twitter. Um, We'll tag you in it and have you DM us so that we can arrange a way to give you your prize yes so look forward to that so keep an eye out for that post (laughs) so weird no i'm pumped i'm super pumped today okay okay super pumped all right okay all right are you ready to reveal yeah are you guys ready to reveal or for the big reveal (laughs) here's the big reveal who was our celebrity from last week i'm dying to know who was roberto robert Roberto. No, because we can use Roberto for another podcast. <laughs> we're very limited on names, guys. No, we're not. Yeah, if you have any suggestions, DM us. So, Robert was Danny Trejo. What? Yes. So, some of you guys were spot on. Congratulations. And some of you just didn't guess or didn't really tell missed. us. Just really <laughs> missed. You know, your silence speaks volumes. <laughs> So his uncle Billy was actually named Gilbert. And like I said on the episode, he went on to name his son Gilbert. I guess he just, he had that. You know it would be a good kid name? What? Bilbert. Like a combination of Gilbert and Billy. This guy actually comes up with really good kid names. I don't know why Like Bilbert. (laughs) Sorry, continue. no. So like I was saying before, I was rudely interrupted. I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) I guess he just really likes his name. You know, his uncle's name. He had such a big impact on his life that he's like, I'm going to name my kid Gilbert. (laughs) And not Bilbert. I wonder why. So if you remember, he had met this kid in 85, the one that had said, oh, you know, we have so much in common. And he was like... There's no, no way. way. Yeah. yeah. So remember, he that same kid had called him and asked him to join him because there was just so much cocaine on the set where he was working. Mm-hmm. So that set turned out to be the set for a film called Runaway Train. 
That's where he was asked to play the extra and later on was recognized from his big tattoo of the, now I can say what it is, it's a big Mexican woman on his chest wearing a sombrero. I thought about getting that, but since Danny <laughs> Trejo already has it, I'm going to take a hard pass. Just a big Mexican woman on your chest? Yeah. Oh my gosh. Wait, is she big or is the tattoo big? <laughs> no, the tattoo is big. It like covers his whole chest. Okay, then I'm going to get you tattooed on my chest. A Mexican with a woman sombrero. with a sombrero? Yeah. Thanks. So the tattoo he got at three different prisons because he and his buddy were just not in the same prisons at the same time, I guess. And that artist's name was Harry, quotes, Super Jew Ross. What a title. I know, right? I want to know how he got his name. (laughs) Seriously, it was probably (laughs) prison related. I don't know. Harry ended up passing away. And that was one of his first tattoos. And he used to tell Danny all the time, like, dude, cover it up. I don't want to see it. I hate it. But as you can tell, Danny shows it off because in almost all of his films, you can see his tattoo, right? So, I mean, I think he's pretty proud of his tattoo. He must be. (laughs) A couple of Danny's big movies are, dun, 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 Heat, Machete, Desperado, and from dusk till dawn. So big round of applause because he's, I guess those are really big films. I need to watch some. Yeah. Yeah, we need to watch some. Let's do it. All right. Danny Trejo Marathon. Okay, let's not forget Danny Trejo opened up some restaurants, right? Yeah, the vegan, vegetarian, the that one? Those ones? Yeah, well, those are pluses. I mean, he also has like, all the fatty foods, you know, all the good stuff. Yeah, I know, but you kind of yeah specifically pointed out that it was vegan, vegetarian options. Yes, and gluten free. I'm a meat eater, so I <laughs> give me the cow. Yeah, I, I take the whole cow. <laughs> Same. I've heard that that place is so good. So next time we are in LA, we are going to Trejo's Tacos. Sounds good. All right. All right. Fun fact, though, Danny Trejo is constantly making food drives to homeless people. So good for his taco place, you know? Yeah. They're doing good things. This guy is just such a good guy. I really like him. So that was our celebrity. All right. So round of applause again for the people that got it right and uh, to the people who didn't get it right. Well, you have another chance today, right? Yep. Better luck next time. I'm going to give you a good one today. So hopefully uh, we'll get more guesses on this one. Yeah. I would have never guessed this one. You guys, this is a tough one. This one's a good one. This one's a really good one. So the celebrity today is actually going to be a little different than the celebrities that we have chosen in the past. And I'm going to tell you why. Today, we're actually going to explore the life of an explorer of the late 1800s and early 1900s. Now, this particular explorer was actually the real-life inspiration for Indiana Jones. So our Indiana Jones fans out there, I highly recommend you tune into this episode. So we're going to name our celebrity today. If you can call him a celebrity, we'll call him an explorer today. So our explorer today will be named Jack. Now Jack was born in Torquay, Devon in England on August 18th, 1867. So we're taking you way back. And guys, he t- he definitely did not look up how to pronounce Torquay. Side note, don't look up my search history because <laughs> she might be lying. 
<laughs> so he was the second oldest to aristocratic parents, Edward and Myra. Now his father, Edward, was actually a graduate of Trinity College, Cambridge, and he was a top-ranked cricket player and a friend of actually the future King Edward. And he was a member of the RSG, which is actually the Royal Geographical Society. Now Myra also came from a wealthy family, so when she and Edward got married, it was just kind of a merging of wealth, I guess you could say. Now unfortunately, Edward had a bit of a drinking problem and also a gambling problem, and he tended to womanize people or womanize women a lot. He was a top-notch guy. Yeah, yeah, and so he basically squandered the whole family wealth, like just gone. Both families' fortunes just gone, like that. And not only was the family wealth gone, but also the family name was just dragged through the mud. Now Jack actually goes by his mother's maiden name instead of his father, and I can only imagine that's, you know, because he's trying to hide from his father's humiliation. Yeah. And the family is able to at least scrounge up enough money to send Jack to elite schools and even to the Royal Artillery Academy. And while he's at the Royal Artillery Academy, he was actually commissioned as a lieutenant of the Royal Artillery on July 24, 1886. And that same year, Jack served in the British colony of Ceylon, which is technically today Sri Lanka. And this is where he meets his future wife, who we're going to call Natalie. Jack and Natalie actually get married in 1901, and they welcome their first child, we'll name him Harry, only two years after that, so in 1903, Harry is born. And although they end up having another boy in 1906, and then they finally have their first girl in 1910, Jack remains, as he calls it, a lone wolf. So he feels not like quite the family man. I mean, he obviously loves his family, but yeah. he considers himself more of a lone wolf. In 1901, Jack joins the RGS, just like his father did, and he kind of works on surveying and map making. Later, he works for the British Serv Secret Service, which is also known as MI6, and it's basically the equivalent to the US's NSA. And while he was in the British Secret Service, he worked in North Africa, and he continued to kind of study surveying while he's there. And next, he served for the war office on an island off of Ireland from 1903 to 1906, which is where he actually gets promoted to major. Now, by this time, Jack's military career kind of hits a, a bit of a dead end and is called for a meeting with the president of the RGS. And they have an offer for him that to most people just sounds more like a death sentence. The RGS has been commissioned as a disinterested third party to determine and survey a border dispute between three countries. So it's Brazil, Peru, and Bolivia. So the RGS is sending Jack to basically try and fix that dispute and find mm -hmm. where the lines are. Mm -hmm. But the real goal for Jack was really to map the unknown areas in South America for the RGS's interests. Now the president of the RGS actually tells Jack, what it really amounts to is exploration. It may be difficult and even dangerous. It was going to be no easy task and it would be dangerous and grueling, but honestly that only made Jack all the more interested and excited to do this. He loved the idea of danger and excitement and that he happily agreed to the task. 
On May 2nd, 1906, Jack says goodbye to his kids and wife and takes an ocean steamer to embark on his first trip to the Amazon. Now, Jack and his crew finally arrive to the Amazon, and I'm not sure the Amazon's any better than the boat ride over. Yeah, really. But they end up having to fight through just terrible terrain in the mountains, you know, dense and tangled forests and wetlands, and they traverse hundreds of miles. While they're there, they encounter many local tribes who basically show a lot of signs of aggression and it's because, you know, former European visitors treated them very roughly because they were in search of gold and rubber and they thought that the natives were hiding those resources from them. And so a lot of the times they would lash out on the natives and so it left the bad taste in the natives' mouths, as you can imagine. Yeah. But Jack treated the tribesmen with respect and he even ordered his men to never kill a local even if they were being attacked themselves. So Jack shows a whole lot more respect than was normal for the time. So going back to the point that I made that Jack never wanted to kill a tribesman, um, this may have actually come from Jack's spiritual side. Now back in Sri Lanka, Jack was exposed to so many different religions that most white Europeans didn't even know existed at the time. But one of these religions that Jack embraced the most was actually Buddhism, and he even publicly swore to uphold the five precepts of the religion, and it forbid, you know, killing, stealing, sexual immorality, lying, and drunkenness. So this could kind of explain why he gave orders to not kill the tribesmen. Now Jack was able to form a really good and stable relationship with most tribes by showing good faith and bringing gifts. And he actually even recalls a particular encounter where a hostile tribe ambushed him and his party. He countered this ambush by just stopping and having his whole party raise their hands up in the air to kind of show that, you know, we don't have any weapons, and they start singing a marching song. And this ultimately, the tribe just lets them pass because of it. And not only were they met with sometimes, you know, friendly and then sometimes hostile tribes, Jack claims that they saw a wide range of animals and creatures he had never seen before. In his memoirs, Jack talks about a 62 foot long anaconda, and I'm pretty sure he claims that he cut a piece of its skin off and sent it back to England to be reviewed, Mm -hmm. but I don't know if anything ever came from that. He claims he saw, you know, a dog the size of a cat and a spider the size of a small dog. Oh, Yeah, could you imagine a chihuahua-sized spider? No, thank you. Yeah, no, thank you. (laughs) Now, most of these claims were actually mocked by scientists. I mean, as you you can imagine, they're hearing all these wild stories of, you know, animals that they've never even heard of or seen. Yeah. But Jack actually really did see some insects and animals that were not yet known, and it kind of paved the way to their discovery. Now, Jack heads back to England with maps in hand in 1908, and he hands it over to the RGS. And everybody's very impressed with the stories that he tells in his memoirs about, you know, the Amazon and the creatures, the tribes, everything. I they're, bet at the time they're thinking, like, this guy is so crazy. Like, like you said about the animals, it's like, yeah, well, you've never been to the Amazon. And like, now thinking about it, we have so many shows that show how thick just walking through there is like you need machetes and all kinds of stuff and yeah you need danny trejo yeah (laughs) (laughs) no i mean you'll you'll find out later or through this story that um jack just has incredible endurance for this task and most people just can't handle it as well as he can 
And I think his passion for map making and surveying and exploration really fueled him to just kind of look past all the hardships. Yeah. Between 1906 and 1924, Jack makes a total of seven different trips and expeditions to South America, and it's in efforts to map more unknown regions and to find you know the sources of some major rivers that included the Heath River and the River Verde. But why in the world would someone return to such an inhospitable place? During his expeditions, Jack learns from tribes that there may actually exist a city of gold. The interesting thing is though, that Jack wasn't really interested in the gold in the supposed city. He was more interested in the people living within that city. During that time, it was common thought that the Native Americans were savage and primitive, but Jack saw evidence of the contrary. The natives had agriculture, you know, roads, and religiously centered buildings, and Jack theorized that there must have been a more advanced society who had taught the natives all these things, and he believed that they must live in the city of gold. Jack even encountered a particularly white-skinned tribe which he theorized were Greek Amazonian descendants. A lot of these feelings and beliefs also stemmed from Jack's spiritual beliefs. So he was a follower of Madame Blavatsky, who was Russian, as you can tell by the name. But she was the mother of this um, religion that was called Theosophy, which was a blend of theology and philosophy. So her followers believed in you know, the occult, um, the spiritual world, and a higher civilization that had been lost to the modern world, and they referred to them as White Lodges. So Theosophists believed a White Lodge could exist in the Amazon just because it's so dense and not much is known about it. And Jack thought he knew exactly what it was, that it was the City of Gold. So even though at the time Jack is super invested in his trips to the Amazon, um, he actually has to go back home for a good chunk of time because at this time World War I broke out. And he serves in the army as a reserve officer in the Royal Artillery in that first world war. Um, after that though, Jack dedicates his time full time to trying to gather funds for expeditions to the Amazon in search of the lost city of gold. His theories of a lost city are more concretely supported in 1920 when he visits a library in Rio de Janeiro where he discovers Manuscript 512. Now Manuscript 512 is just a 10-page manuscript by an author that nobody knows who it was and it details this lost city in the Brazilian province of Bahia. Now to Jack, this is just concrete proof that the lost city is real, but to most people, they're still thinking he's crazy, you know? Yeah. But any expedition would obviously need a good amount of funding. Now Jack finds it pretty hard to drum up support because at this time, a new generation of professional archaeologists were, you know, replacing solo adventurers and explorers. So they're replacing, you know, people like Jack. Yeah. Not to mention, many people just laughed and mocked at his ideas of such a city. Most believe that such a society could not be sustained in such an inhospitable place. The Amazon soil lacked nutrients, so it's very hard to grow anything there. Um, there were poisonous creatures everywhere, obviously, and the humidity and heat was enough to cripple even the most experienced explorers, and everybody knew that. It basically made Jack seem almost inhuman because he was able to survive in these conditions. But Jack was persistent 
and he finally finds funding for a solo expedition that ended pretty roughly with Jack falling ill, and he has to kill his pack animal who is even more ill than him. Over the next few years, Jack struggles to raise funds for another trip, and at this point, Jack has become obsessed with trying to find the lost city. Jack decides to extend his search for funds by reaching out to the U.S. for support and finds interest from the American Geographical Society, so it sounds like it's kind of a sister club in the United States. Mm -hmm. And also he finds support in newspapers in both England and the U.S. Now they agree to fund the expedition in exchange for exclusive reports on his spoils, and by 1925, Jack is ready for his next expedition. Accompanying him on this trip would be his oldest son Harry and Harry's friend Riley. So he's kind of switched from, you know, taking a a group that he consistently took with. There was one guy um, that he took basically on every single trip except for this one. He said he didn't want to go on this one and I'm not sure why. Maybe he was just tired of all the trips. But he, he ends up not going with him on that one. And so Jack takes his son and his son's best friend. Riley actually gets cold feet just before they leave, but they end up talking him into just, you know, just go. It'll be fine. <laughs> you know, you'll be fine. You'll, you'll be live. fine. Don't worry about it. Um, they all set off finally in search for the lost city with two Brazilian porters, which are people who basically carry this stuff for them and are their guides through the uh, Amazon. Mm-hmm. Although at this time, Jack obviously has a very, very good you know, understanding of the, the forest and everything. Yeah. But they set off with the two Brazilian porters, uh, two horses, eight mules, and two dogs. Now Jack was fueled by the recent discovery of Machu Picchu in Peru and was eager to find the lost city. And while he's on this trip, He moves at an incredible pace that's hard for anyone to keep up. And it's because he was afraid that another explorer would find the city first. So because they found Machu Picchu, he's terrified that they're going to find the lost city before him. As a result, Jack doesn't record his path very clearly in his memoirs. And so it's not very accurate as to where he went or when he went or anything like that because he was afraid that somebody would find his memoirs and use it to find the city before him. Jack is so excited that he even moves too fast for his whole party. So they're trekking along this path basically, and Jack's party is no longer able to see him. And so they end up meeting a fork in the road, and they don't know which way Jack went. So what they do is they set up camp at the fork, hoping that Jack will come back to them, and they'll be reunited basically. But night comes, and there's no Jack. Morning comes, no Jack. But then, out of nowhere, comes strolling Jack on his horse. So he, you know, trekked so far along and had no idea that he left his party behind. And he turns around and he goes, oh, everybody's gone. <laughs> like, I, I went too far. And so he ends up setting camp in the Amazon forest with no shelter, no gear, nothing. And he spends a whole night out there, oh which is God. extremely dangerous. Yeah. Well, for the whole party. I mean, they they don't know the Amazon like him. Like they know they, there's poisonous stuff, but yeah, like, nobody. But what's poisonous? When when you have seven trips, or well, I think this is the eighth expedition to Amazon. You've gained kind of a bit of knowledge of you know how to survive there, and, and he's endurance. their knowledge. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah, but I know that the group actually did a pretty good job at keeping up with his pace. They obviously weren't 
super suited for this, but I know that Riley does get bit by a tick and he falls ill um, a little bit and, you know, they are kind of struggling to keep up. Mm-hmm. But all this just kind of shows you how tough and determined Jack was. And in late May, the group finally reaches Dead Horse Camp, which is named that because it was the spot that Jack, you know, had to kill his ill pack animal. And this marks the furthest Jack has ever been in the Amazon forest. And at this point, the trio of men write letters home and send the Brazilian porters back and embark all on their own. And this was the last time anyone ever saw or heard from the trio. In the event that they didn't return, Jack had basically told everyone not to search for them because he said if they had perished, no one else would be fit to find them and they would basically also perish. But Natalie, so Jack's wife, she never gave up hope. Now remember, Jack was a spiritualist and so Natalie sought many psychics to try and reach her husband or son spiritually. One psychic that Natalie goes to claims that Jack is actually in the room with them, but he's without a body, so he's just a a soul there, but he tells the psychic that he's still alive. Now, another psychic after that also claims the same thing, but this time it's Harry, her son, who says it. Now, some speculate that Jack, Harry, and Riley found the Lost City and are living in the White Lodge that exists there. And since 1925, about a hundred explorers have perished in the search of the trio, and many more have returned empty-handed. So again, this gives you an idea of how tough Jack is, and how hard it is to survive there. Some local tribes claim that they killed Jack and company, while others claim others have done it. But it has never been proven. Now one tribe in particular said they had the skeletal remains of Jack to prove that they did indeed kill Jack. But the dental records proved that it wasn't Jack. The tribe later admitted the skeleton was a tribe member and they only said it was Jack to stop the search for Jack. But why would they do that? They probably didn't want all those people coming in. You know, it's... That's essentially right, but it's there's a little more to it. So the natives believed that a mountain range within Brazil was a mystical place that contained mystical creatures. Most tribes are just too afraid to even enter the mountain range and have reported to have seen human-like prints, but with six toes instead of five. At the base of the mountain range is a lake, and on the other side of the lake is a cave, and anyone who enters the cave reportedly never comes out. Some theorize that the cave is actually the White Lodge that I had talked about earlier, mm-hmm. and that Jack and his company entered it and never came back. So they're living in this alternate reality with, you know, a higher civilization. Could the mystery of the cave be what the indigenous tribes are trying to hide? It's possible, but there's no real way to know the truth because it's extremely hard to even get permission to enter the mountains, and especially the cave. Jack's, Harry, and Riley's bodies were obviously never found, so their disappearance may just never be solved and remain one of the most mysterious disappearances in archaeological history. Thanks for listening, and as always, use the hashtag CelebWho to tell us who you think today's explorer was. Also, give us a follow on Instagram and Twitter at Podcast. And if you have any suggestions of, you know, maybe a celebrity that you think we should do, um, just... 
DM us. Let us know. Let us know. Yeah, we're always open to suggestions. The more the merrier. The more the merrier. Yeah. I mean, not that we're ever going to run out of celebrities to do. There's tons of them. Tons <laughs> yeah. of them. Yeah. So many. Tons of them. All right. Well, we'll see you next week. Thanks for listening. Bye.